Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome back to the Generations Church podcast. I'm Jeff Luddington, the lead pastor of Generations Church, and today I have a friend with me that I will introduce to you in just a second. If you're listening, you've never listened before, I am in between podcast series. I just finished up a year-long study through the Heidelberg Catechism, and we are getting ready to start a brand new podcast series, more to come on that. But in the meantime, I often like to bring friends on that I think are interesting, fun, uh, guys I like to hang out with. And about a year ago, I did some author interviews, and today... I have a worship leader friend of mine. His name is Stephen Shaw. He's got some really cool things he does. And so first, Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Very good. I'm glad you could be here today. Yeah, thanks for having uh, me. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm really glad. And again, I like friends, people I enjoy, things that we do, and, and just sharing some of that with other people. Uh, you and I met because we just, well, at Generation Church, we just hired a worship pastor. And in our search to do that, I think it was back in June, you and I connected. You came out and led worship here. We actually hit it off. And um, I'm probably as surprised as you are. I'm surprised it didn't work, that we didn't end up hiring you. And timing just wasn't there. Um, But what was cool is we built a friendship. And so we began to connect after that and stay connected online. And so if you would, man, just introduce yourselves to the people listening. Just tell us about you, your family, your story. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. All right. Well, let me give you the uh, helicopter version, I guess, because, yeah, there's obviously a lot to tell, but uh, let's keep it interesting. So I like to say that I've been a Christian my whole life and a follower of Jesus for about 10 years because I Mm -hmm. I was completely clueless on what that meant until I actually read the Bible. And God really, I mean, just spoke to me. And that was the, the most powerful moment of my life and it changed my life. And so... Um, but I've been married for, for almost 15 years now, and we have two wonderful little kids, just uh, four years old and six and a half. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, we adopted them both from birth, but you know, that's this, they're just my kids now. They're, they're not still adopted. They're just my children and, and love them to death. But, um, yeah, they keep things interesting, of course. But yeah, I, I'm, I, I've been doing music for 25 years and working out for about around that same time. And, I mean, I really, I get to do the things I love for a living. And so I feel extremely blessed and just, I mean, God is good. Well, we're doing this podcast actually on Zoom. So I get to see you and do it. Not everybody's going to see us, but you and I are actually really good looking. And, and so people <laughs> podcasting may not know that, but uh, uh, both very, uh, very, man, just no good looking. You said uh, working out and doing that, you have a fitness business, correct? I mean, like yes. you, do, you do that for a living. What yeah, uh, mobile so mobile personal cool. training. I've never I've never had a gym or anything. I I've okay. always been mobile, so it, it's nice. So in coronavirus, have you? How have you? Is that still? I mean, like, so let me back out of that. Health is such a necessity right now. Like with gyms shutting down, our gym just opened back up and it's doing it very quietly because it's inside Orange County. <laughs> but like, how how have you done through coronavirus and that? Have you stayed consistent? Have you stayed through that? So during the first like quarantine, I mean, I, I right. about 90% of my business was dropped, you know, and it was all on hold, you know, no one seemed like it was like done for, but it was scary still. Cause it's like, okay, we uh, at least have a month of not knowing what's going to happen next. And so that was scary. But then 
as everything kind of slowly started opening and then there was the second surge. And so about half shut down. And so yeah, it's been a little rough, but I mean, it was, it was fine. Actually having all that home being at home was, has kind of opened my eyes. And like, so now I've been like searching for like, how do I be home more, you know, like still be able to pay the bills, but I just want to be home with my kids and my wife. We just have so much fun, you know? And so there's that, that dynamic always, but yeah, uh, things were okay. You know, it was just that first month that was scary. Yeah. You know, I remember when we were, uh, again, we, we met via email or phone or whatever we did at first. And then I, I remember the first time we actually went face to face was in June, you came and led here. Um, but, uh, man, just talking through that, I remember you saying that to me that you, the, the coronavirus, the, the shutdown stuff, the quarantine stuff made you realize you wanted to be at home more. And that kind of brings me back to one of the things we wanted to talk about. As you said, you have two kids that are adopted. Um, you adopted them from birth. Um, I know this just by seeing family photos, um, but your kids, you're white, your kids are not white. And I want to circle back. If you would take, man, just if you would, where are your kids? Are they adopted uh, locally or, or globally? I, I don't know what the correct terms for that are. Um, I know they're not white. I know they're black kids. And, and I want to ask you about that. So you can kind of build all this into your answer. Um, Tell us about the adoption a little bit. And then you're raising two black kids in the middle of the George Floyd era. And I mean, tomorrow we're recording this on Monday, right before the vote on Tuesday. And, and a lot of this is around racial tension. That's the conversation. And so if you would, man, both tell me a little bit about the adoption. And then how are you raising black kids in a very racial tension America as a white dad? I'm just super curious about that. <laughs> Yeah, so they're both the domestic, local. Domestic is okay. the is the terminology. Um, but yeah, different. Two very different stories. Two very different adoptions. Uh, they are not biologically brother and sister. Everyone always asks, "Are they brother and sister?" It's like, right? Yeah, but not. <laughs> yes, but they are now. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, those those are two just full stories on their own. But um, yeah, so it's weird. Like, I don't even think about it now. Like, I literally have to like when we get stared at for too long somewhere it was i'm like oh yeah they're looking at my <laughs> the obvious <laughs> right. like what's going on here question um and and so like i've always been one i i, I i'm not a people pleaser almost to a fault you know my, my wife kind of reins me in a little bit um kind of like you i uh am have a real problem with authority and, and obeying rules and <laughs> i still fight that a lot in myself actually i wanted to ask you about that in your book well, i'll ask you later but how, how do you how do you fight that still but um and as far as like yeah so i was actually i'm not i'm not mainly white i actually have a lot of uh, mexican native american um and pretty much i got my 23 in me and i have like literally everything from like asian to black and everything in me um super mutt but my dad's like actually really dark if you saw him you'd be like what he's not like a black guy too like he's like really dark he's he's the mexican side of the family but um and so growing up i i don't remember like there wasn't like like the race you know like thing like i don't know i, I just didn't ever really think about it or, or we didn't talk about it and it was there was a lot of cultural diversity just in our home um and so now being out, get stares, I actually enjoyed it, especially at first, you know, when, when it was, when everything was new, right. You know, sure. little Eli comes home and, um, like, I don't know why I enjoy, even if it's negative, like, I don't mind it, you know, I'm just like, yeah, whatever, just judge me and stereotype, you know, you know, like, I just don't <laughs> care. Like, uh, it's your own fault. Um, 
And so now, you know, the years have passed and now the George Floyd thing and then hearing these just concerns and then even like, you know, Christian brothers and sisters, like uh, not understanding or, or, you know, posting things that you're just like, oh my gosh, I wish we could like sit and talk. Because um, yeah. you use the word conversation, you know, like it's a conversation right now and I wish it was. It's not. Sure. It's it's people holding to their views without asking why. Instead of, you know, you want to immediately move to all lives matter instead of, instead of asking, wait, what's wrong? You know, why are you right. saying this, this line? What, why is it, what is this hashtag about? Instead, we've just, you know, we, it was, it was a pushback. And if I didn't, I would really be curious to know at this time, if I didn't have black children where I would be, you know, I'm not, uh, not, not as far as like not in supportive or anything. I just know like the general public who doesn't really have an affiliation, black friends, black family, whatever it is, it's, it's far off. It's distant. And so it's a lot easier to say, you know what, all lives matter. And now I'm done with that. I need to move on over here to what I really care about. Um, and so, but being able now to, it's like two out of the three people I love most in this world are black. It makes me very intentional to, to, to want to understand, to want to know more because this is the world they're growing up in. And so that's what it's done for myself as well. And my wife too, she's been like even more intentional than me about just reading. I mean, she's constantly reading, you know, posts and trying to update herself and get her lingo right and, and know how to talk to people. And she's so good at like hitting hard subjects, but real gentle. You know, I come off as soon as I get passionate, I get aggressive and she's like, Whoa, calm down. <laughs> like, no, I don't mean it aggressively. I'm just trying to tell you what I mean. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that answered your question, but it did, man. Let me, let me just, so you said something super important. Uh, two out of the three people you love most in life are black <laughs> and that shapes your world, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. shapes how you see things. So I, if I can make that personal, being a pastor for me shapes how I see things. So when I see the online you're right. It's not a dialogue. It's everybody yelling at each other. And, and, you know, if in written form, it'd be all caps, you know I mean? Everybody is just talking past one another, but as a pastor, uh, trying to see things through the lens of Christ and people and culture, you're right. It's not a dialogue. I wish it was. Um, but you said something that shapes your conversation Two out of the three people you love most in the world are black. And that, changes things for you and how so if, if you were if somebody listening has doesn't have that like you said they don't have an affiliation to that they don't have maybe a family member or whatever might might even not be friends or whatever how has that caused you to live differently if you don't yeah just how has that caused things to be different for you yeah and and it's not even enough to be like you know because that's that's been tossed around and uh, too often too, like, you know, I'm, oh, well, I'm married to a black person. So that doesn't like, you know, of course I understand or that, uh, you know, and it's just not true. Like there's so many, like, unless it's talked about, unless black people feel comfortable enough to open up to you about their real struggles with it, you know, then it's not going to be understood. Um, and so like I posted, I, I had like a breaking point, like right around the, I think it was right before, maybe right after that, uh, protest, not protest, but walk or whatever it was. Um, where I was like, I was like, I just started to like weep, like just thinking about just a bunch of things and, and seeing my little kids and knowing that they're going to be judged. I can't even talk about it um, unfairly because, you know, just because of the color of their skin. And so it's like, whoa, I'm experiencing exactly what they go through 
from birth, you know? And it's like, we, we wonder why there's, you know, maybe some aggression or some just <laughs> pent up, built up aggression, you know, like uh, uh, issues that come along with it. Cause it's like, yeah, we're just experiencing this right now. You know, they're, right. they're growing up in a home that has generations of this built up, this, whatever's talked about, just same with, with white families that only know, you know, white people. It's like, we all have a racial bias that we need to be okay to admit mm-hmm. all of us. And we're sure we're not racist or, but we have a racial bias and we need to come to terms with it. We need to deal with it. And we need to, you know, start loving people and asking questions and really, you know, um, asking questions to, to want to learn, not to, you know, catch somebody in something or to, you know, that's good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So as a guy outside the story, but my heart is as a pastor, my heart is for people that people would learn from this podcast and it was really just two guys that are friends just trying to get online and talk about something. And you've got some cool things you do that I'll talk about in a second. But um, as we pressed into this, my, I think we hit something. I knew we would hit something. I didn't know what it would be. And we hit it. It wasn't. A, it isn't a dialogue, right? People are pa- talking past each other. Everybody knows that. Um, but we, you made it personal. Okay, so having children that are black made it personal for you. And if we could ask questions and feel safe, and I, I think what I learned, if I could, man, just through this whole thing, what I learned is if you were raised black in Southern California versus white, you may believe different things either about yourself. There's a different view of image. You may believe different things about, and, and, and I'm saying believe, whether it's true or false or doesn't really matter, you may believe it. And I, I really remember probably midsummer just realizing if I believed when the red and blue lights ha- flashed behind me, if I believed I was going to die or uh, at risk of dying, whether that's, again, yeah. whether it's true or false, if I believed it, I would act differently. I might fight. I might run. I mean, again, and I have a, I have a history, obviously, everybody pretty much listening knows I have a story with, you know, came to faith through crime and arrest and prison and all that. Mm. But if I believed different things, I would act different ways. We always tell people if you Belief causes action. The gospel causes transformation because what we believe so deeply causes what we do. So belief really has an implication here. And so, yeah, man, if we could just ask more questions, talk to more people, create more safe conversations instead of yelling and talking past each other, I think it'd be powerful. When you keep bringing up making it personal, that's exactly what it needs to be, especially for the church, man. If we're in the church, then Mm. hurting people is our business. You know, like we need to make it, if it's not personal, make it personal you know, intentionally seek out, maybe there, if there's the one black person in your church, go befriend them, you know, talk right. to them. Have right. honest dialogue with them, you know? That's really cool. We have a, yeah, at Generations Man, we're, we're very blessed. We have a super diverse church. It's, there isn't a dominant ethnicity. Um, our leaders aren't like, it's just, it's, yeah, I, I think, I think we're spoiled in, in one sense and uh, in another sense, very blessed, man. I, I'll say it that way. So we need to make it personal. I'm going to take that with, I just, I like that, man. Let's, let's make it personal for us. Let's make that conversation personal for us. And when we say personal, not about us, but let's fall in love with somebody who doesn't look like us. Be willing to be uncomfortable. We need to be uncomfortable, you know, like that's hurting love until it hurts. (laughs) I like that, man. Well, cool, man. We've spent a lot of our time on that, but I want to, I wanted to ask you about a couple of things and I'll put in the show notes in the, in the link. So if you're listening and you, and you want to know more, I'll put it in the, in the podcast notes. Tell me about two things, man. You've got uh, some things I enjoy, uh, Misfit Ministry and 1689 Studios. Will you tell me about those two things or tell people about those two things? <laughs> I don't know. So Misfit Ministry was just, I mean, I don't, uh, I, I, I 
been a member of my church for 20 years and I lead worship there and all that stuff. So Mr. Ministry is just kind of like my outlet to, cause I started blogging and I started doing this little podcast thing. And then I started uh, doing videos of, you know, various whatever. And I don't know, I just uh, avenues to share the gospel, you know? And so um, I know the importance of branding because I've been, you know, working for myself for 15 years. So it's like, all right, let's actually just put a name to it. And I've always felt misunderstood in most areas of my life. So I thought, you know, uh, it seems like the, it's the degenerates and the misfits that usually flock to me. So, you know, I think it's, <laughs> I, I can relate to them. So misfit ministry it is, you know, um, that's cool. Yeah. Well, 1689 studios though, but that one, I know what 1689 represents, but Matt, say, tell us where, where you got that. And then what is that? So yeah, part of my journey of growth, as I was reading through the Bible, and, and then I started reading just tons of books. And this comes from a, a long story short. I mean, I cheated my way through high school so I could pass. And it's the only way I passed. Never read a book in my life until I read the Bible when I was 30 years old. And then I have read, you know, 20 books since then, at least. And um, one of them was I was introduced to the 1689. It's the London Baptist Confession of Faith. Yeah. Um, it was uh, supposed to be out in 1677, but, you know, things happened. And so 1689 was the kind of the coined uh, what it's called now. But, um, yeah, just when, and again, trying to think of a clever name, I thought, you know, I, I, I hold to this confession because it's beautiful and rich and true. And um, I thought, what a cool name, 1689 Studios. And I love the fact that it's only if you know, then you know. You right. know, so many people, oh, yeah. what's 1689? Is that like your address? I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, you just don't know. Right. So the 1689 Studios is music. It's a it's music studio, right? Recording studio. So you do music projects for other people or with other people. And just yeah, what's... A, little bit, a little bit of everything. I'm, I'm up for anything music, man. I just love to... to is start you know if anyone actually wants to take the red pill and dive into what i do i mean you're going to get every <laughs> genre of music and every, um both probably love and hate you know most of what i do but uh it's it's a, at first it started again just mobile stuff because i mean I, we just had okay. a little house and i was little had a little box that i basically just recorded vocals in um but then we moved and i was actually able to turn you know pretty much three-fourths of the garage into a studio but um and then COVID hit and so we've literally been at this new house like it was like, you know, three months and then all the pandemic started. And so really haven't been able to reap all the benefits oh. of having all my own space. And I'm literally looking at my studio right now. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I love to, I, I have, I think I have a good ear for music and just how to make other people's songs, you know, more complete and even just the sound quality of them. And so I look forward to working with more people. Yeah. But I, I've been doing a lot of my own stuff. So it's keeping me busy and happy. Well, that's really cool, man. I'm going to, I mean, I just want to say this, uh, the, the Shaws, both uh, both Stephen and Lauren, uh, do record and do worship. And I'm going to put uh, at least an Apple Music link uh, in there. Uh, for, and I think the the one has the kind of the best experience is the Shaws. Is that the, the official name, right? The, the Shaws in? Yeah. Okay, cool. And so if somebody's a non-Apple person, they want to translate this into whatever, either Android format or, you know, or Spotify or something else, that's the way to, to look you up is the Shaws. And so I'll, I'll put that. But man, Stephen, thank you so much, man. You shared kind of a personal glimpse. We, uh, I knew we would talk about that. I didn't know we'd spend more time there. Um, but I just want to just thank you for that, man. Making something personal for us as we wrestle through things. Um, yeah, man, I, I think that was a big takeaway for me. You're a great worship leader, man. I, I really enjoy your stuff, you and Lauren, especially um, your just vibey, natural, kind of Americana, super cool Thing that you do i really like and uh, i am beginning to really appreciate you as a friend so thank you 
uh, for taking the time and hanging out. I'll post some links there. You can, if you're listening today, how you can learn more about what Stephen does personally um, about Misfit Ministry, the outlet, which I love. And if you're interested in some different music projects or you're a musician yourself and you want to follow up, I'll post the link to 1689 Studios. But Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. This is great. You got it. Well, thank you for listening to Generations Church Podcast. We've got an upcoming series that we are going to start promoting online shortly. In the meantime, just doing some fun things with friends. And I'm glad you could hear this. Follow us, uh, like us, and pass this on to your friends. We hope it is a blessing to you. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at Jin Family Church.